Hello and welcome to Smoke and Burn. I'm Casey Gressip, and joining me today is uh, BG legend, Charlie Polston, Velocity, Oklahoma. How you doing, Charlie? I'm great. Thanks you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, in one of the previous episodes, you know, we were kind of talking about, uh, you know, these legendary BG figures and, you know, I know like the, the older generation of BG guys, you know, they like Eddie Bash was sort of that figure for, for that generation of guys. And I think you're kind of like the Eddie Bash of, uh, my generation of BG salesmen. Well, that, that's the ultimate compliment. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You, 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 that's like saying sick them to a dog. So <laughs> I, uh, that encourages me. Thank you. Absolutely. So Charlie, you've been with BG a long time. How many, how many years have you been with them? 38 years. I started in June of 1982, uh, right when I graduated from Oklahoma State. Wow. Okay. And uh, can you kind of give me a little background on your career and what, what, what were you doing before BG and then how did you, how did you end up working with uh, the company? The summer between my junior and senior year, I went out with a buddy of mine to Denver. <clears throat> we just spent the summer out in Denver. He had a job with Amico downtown, and I actually worked in a bicycle shop. And we went to Riverside Baptist Church, and that's where I met uh, Steve and Becky Bash and uh, ultimately met Mr. Bash and uh, spent some time at their house, you know, uh, <clears throat> over barbecue and things like that. And so that's how I got to know him. And then when the time came, uh, you know, leading up to my graduation, I called Mr. Bash and asked him for an interview. And uh, I flew out to Denver and the rest is history. So the first two years with Ken's and Leslie, prior, prior to my BG career, I was in college and uh, had worked uh, in high school and in college in a bicycle shop. So I'd really had six years in the bicycle business uh, while I was to, to work myself through college. And then I was with uh, Ken's and Leslie for a little under two years and uh, then moved to Oklahoma and uh, been here for 36. My uh, my territory in Denver was independent garages on the east side of Metro Denver. So I had uh, uh, east of Metro Den uh, or east of Broadway uh, in Metro Denver. Um, and we did quite a bit of diversification in those days. So all I had was garages. I didn't have motorcycle shops. I didn't have service stations. And again, Casey, for the for the younger guys, they don't know what a service station is. But that's a <laughs> uh, that's an independent garage that pumps your own gas uh, that pumps gasoline for you. <laughs> is what that is. And then I had a few dealerships down in Colorado Springs. Uh, but that's how I got my start. Okay. So, so you spent like two years with Ken's and Leslie. It's, it's crazy how many uh, influential people came out of the Ken's and Leslie organization from that time period, because I know that's, you know, my dad was there close to the same time as you, right? Uh, he was. I, I left just before he got there, but you're right. I mean, you look at the BG greats, you know, there were Ken's and Leslie. Uh, you got Lou Acord. You got your daddy, Darren. Um you know, I, I've I've always known Aggressive. Uh, there was Cleet Aggressive. You know, that was there uh, before Darren was. Uh, Robert Felton uh, was there. Dale Little. 
was there. So uh, you're right. A lot of the BG greats. I've always said Mr. Bash is like the Tom Landry of BG because, you know, Tom Landry birthed a whole lot of head coaches like Dan Reeves of the Broncos and people like that. So, yes, I, I was in there with uh, uh, with quite a chorus of uh, of guys that went on to do great things for BG. Now, what what precipitated your move to Oklahoma from Ken's and Leslie? Was there just an opportunity there that you got to be a part of or? Well, interestingly enough, in, uh, you know, as I was praying one day in my quiet time, I just felt like the need to get back to Oklahoma. In fact, I, I just felt like uh, that uh, that's where my wife was. I felt like God was leading me back that direction. I'm from Southwest Oklahoma. And we don't have any trees in Southwest Oklahoma, and I knew Tulsa had trees, so I wanted to go somewhere that was trees. <laughs> but uh, I started, I, I just felt like my wife was at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and so that's what I told Mr. Bash. I said, I got to get to Oklahoma. I said, uh, I said, could you introduce me to the BG distributor down there, and would you let me interview with them? And um, so I did. I went to work for John and Louise. Uh, that was uh, 1984 uh, that I started to work for them, and I met Angela, my wife, at First Baptist. She was on staff at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and we got married in July of 1985, so that's what got me here. Wow, okay. So at that point, did LSI, was there a lot of business in Oklahoma already, or was it it's still in kind of its infantile stages? No, it's a great question, and that's where just God's timing was perfect on this. Uh, LSI was one of the top BG distributors uh, in twenty. Uh, I'm sorry, in uh, 1993, uh, they were one of the top, or I guess I should say 1992. They were one of the top distributors. Their sales were 1.4 million, but they were heavily in the oil patch. That that was the first oil boom you know, in kind of modern history for us anyway. And so they uh, were heavily in the oil patch. And, you know, there's a problem when you have not a diversified portfolio, but kind of all your eggs in one basket. And so in 20, or I keep saying 20, 1983, a year later, they lost a million dollars worth of business. So so they went from 1.4 million down to 400,000. Uh, in business. Wow. And, and that's when I came along. And one of the things that John and I talked about was, you know, I didn't come from a fleet background. I came from a, a dealership garage background. And so we talked about a diversified portfolio. <clears throat> so uh, so he had gone from 400, 000, from 1.4 down to 400,000, which I don't know, what is that math on that? Over two thirds of the business went away. Right. Uh, when the oil patch collapsed. And so uh, long story short, that uh, that first year, uh, our sales were 495,000. So we grew by 20% the first year. And uh, last year, our sales were just north of 21 million. So needless to say, it's been a pretty good ride. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, so he had a couple of nail biters in there, but it turned around fairly quickly. Indeed. And he, you know, he took a great risk uh, in investing in me. They they paid me well from the beginning. And, and one thing about John and Louise and Sherry, they've always been willing to share the wealth and uh, they've allowed me to grow with the company. But they took a huge risk uh, on me. In fact, I, I think 
I think they uh, they hired me at at their own. Uh, they took money out of their own pocket uh, in order to invest in me in the business. Wow. So uh, so you started out down there. Your your main initiative was to lock down some dealer and independent garage business. Now, That's were right. you a, really just working as a sales rep at that time, or did you already have like a team underneath you that you were training? Well, if you could see me right now, I would say team in air quotes. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I started out as the director of marketing. Uh, so I had, um, let me see, I had actually three guys under me. No, I had, I had four. I had two guys in Oklahoma City, one guy in Tulsa, and then we had a fleet guy that was really not under my purview per se. But no, really from day one, I started out in a management role. And um, and really, my top priority was to to build a team uh, to duplicate my efforts. And everybody knows the name Joe Bynum. Uh, Joe has been with BG now almost 35 years. And Joe was the first major addition to my team. And Joe has been number one in Oklahoma for many years, and he still is. So he's still uh, swinging for the bleachers. Uh, uh, you know, and, and he's, he's going to finish very strong. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Whenever he's here, you know, I always try to pick his brain a little bit. He's got a lot of, a lot of useful insight tucked away. So you, at some point, I guess you must've gotten into, uh, gotten involved with training at, at BG corporate, because I know when I first came on board, you were conducting the BGU and, stuff, a lot of that stuff, you were kind of the driving force behind. Uh, when, did, when did that all happen? You know, it was roughly 25 or 30 years ago. About 25 or 30 years ago, we started that way before BG University. And, and back in those days, BG was a little bit different company. No, it was a lot different company. And marketing, you know, the marketing department, largely was Mr. Bash, and each distributor was kind of left to do what they thought best about training. And so uh, 25 or 30 years ago, uh, what John and I started doing was bringing in groups of BG salesmen and distributors to Tulsa, um, to a Holiday Inn in Tulsa, and just doing training classes. And this thing just kind of snowballed and snowballed and grew. And then we started doing that same training. You know, we would go to, uh, uh, to various distributors and do the training there. So that's how it all got started. Uh, then BG formulated, uh, the entity we now know as BG university. And, uh, I did a, a good amount of the training for probably eight or 10 years. Um, so that's kind of how that all, it, it, it sort of what we did, morphed into BG University. And uh, now I tell you what, I am so pleased with the guys running that thing. Andy does a phenomenal job. Uh, you guys, uh, you know, at the corporate level have picked up the baton and run with it. And uh, boy, I sure am proud of BG University. It is a thing of beauty. Yeah, thank you. It's it's uh, it's definitely uh, an ever-evolving thing. And I think we've got some cool stuff in the works for this year, so should be good. So, uh, Charlie, I, I can you kind of give us an idea, like what you know, 
you guys have a very mature customer base there now. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, would you say that you've, do you really have any territories that are completely under, you don't have an, an undeveloped territory in LSI, do you? Well, I, I would love to tell you that, uh, you know, we are totally saturated, hitting on all cylinders in every territory. Unfortunately, that is not the case. Um, we actually have 16 territories, and, and we define Oklahoma as the state of Oklahoma and the Texas panhandle. So we have a roughly 4 million registered vehicles, and we have 16 territories in the state of Oklahoma. 15 of those uh, have a have a salesman in them. Uh, one of them is in a babysitting area is where I've got two of my guys babysitting this area. It's in far southeast Oklahoma. Uh, we will eventually have a guy there. Um, but yes, we I, I think we're a, a very mature distributorship. We have about 1,300 accounts. Uh, roughly, Casey, we have got about... Um, Oh, I'm going to tell you 70% of the dealerships and and probably 60%, 60 to 70% uh, of the garages. Um, we're doing a pretty robust fleet business, but we have so much area to grow in fleet. Uh, in ag, we've got a uh, we're very weak in ag, need to do a lot of growing there. We're weak in marinas, we're weak in motorcycle shops. So, yeah, I would tell you that we're a mature distributorship. We're feeling good about where we are, but my goodness, there there is so much meat on the bone. Uh, it's just unbelievable. So on one hand, I'd tell you, yeah, we're doing great. On the other hand, I would tell you, we got so much to do. It's going to take a lifetime. <laughs> well, that being said, like, what what are your goals for this year? Where where are you putting a lot of your focus? So our main focus this year is uh, wrapped around engines for life, which is kind of a phrase that, that y'all have heard me say for many, many years now. It's just simply uh, the BG protection plan with a little different name on it. It's MOA in every oil change, you know, would be our holy grail. That would be our target. So everything that we do at the end of the day is built around that. A robust MOA auto pour program is what we're after. So part of that is, you know, what Bradley Mounts has taught us uh, with 109 and the importance of an MOA 109 or a 6577, you know, the three-part kit uh, with Platinum 44K. So, so we're centered around that and, and then I want to give you our specific focus here in just a second. But let me say, when I say engines for life or MOA auto pour, I'm talking about PVP. I'm talking about, uh, for example, a 6554 with MOA and CF5. I'm talking about MOA alone in an oil change, 6577, all those variations <clears throat> on the theme. But also what we're talking about is part of a new and used car program at a dealership or part of an auto pour where MOA becomes the standard, uh, you know, uh, oil filter, oil, the labor to get it done, and a can of MOA. That's the defin definition of an oil change. So that is the broad focus where we're narrowing that focus in 2020. And this is where we're doing all of our digital uh, advertising and we're doing all of our um, 
video spots and all of our radio advertising is centered specifically around safety. So it's centered around OTR. So the, the message would be something like this. Don't just change your oil and don't just change your oil to have engines for life protection, but change your oil for the safety of your family. And so uh, our, our digital ads that we have made and our digital media focus around what I would call the emotional side of an oil change. You know, most folks could care less about, you don't get excited about an oil change, but you do, you do get excited about, wait a minute, if I'm a single mommy in a dark parking lot and my car won't start and I can call BG on the road and there's a friendly voice on the other end 24 seven, whoa, suddenly you got my attention. You know, if I'm a retired couple and have an AARP card and I'm I'm spending $150 a month, you know, on AARP roadside assistance or AAA roadside assistance, all I have to do is go to XYZ Service Center, have a BG performance oil change done, and my, my uh, roadside assistance is free. And so it's the, you know, people shop on logic, they buy on emotion. So that's what we're focusing on, the emotional side of an oil change via OTR. Right. So the strategy is not just, hey, this is a good thing to do for your car or, you know, simply basing it around lifetime protection. Now, let me ask you, because I know you've used lifetime protection heavily in your on, you know, your uh, engines for life program for a long time. Why the shift towards OTR? You know, I, I understand what you're saying in the the emotional sense, but uh, was there other driving factors behind that? Well, the, the answer is sort of. Joe Bynum uses a phrase that he's used for three decades now, and he said every now and then we got to put a new set of clothes on the old man. What he, <laughs> so what he's talking about, you know, is uh, when, when, you get a, when you get a new suit, when you get new clothes, you just feel better about yourself. You know, there, there's great value in doing that. Uh, you know, when you paint a room or change out the carpet, it's like you got a new house. You know, every now and then you just got to freshen it up. And, and really, it's, it's saying the same thing a slightly different way. And that's why. Uh, but I believe this, Casey, whoever gets the oil change business gets all the maintenance business if we ask. But we got to get the oil change business. And if they'll put MOA in the oil change, then that customer, you know, the, the buzzword in dealerships right now is retention. So I'm looking for that emotional tie to get that customer back in the service center, back in the fast lube, back in the tire store for every oil change every time, which is the key that unlocks the door to all the maintenance services. So that that is why it is just simply a variation on the theme to to get in people's heart and soul uh, to, to to have an emotional tie back to that service center via MOA and the OTR card. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think that goes along with the theme of like, how do you approach mature customers that have been with BG forever? Like, how do you keep those programs exciting when you've been training on, you know, the same sorts of things for, for years? You know, they've heard your pitch on protection plan. And I, th I think you're right. Like sometimes throwing in a new program or just taking a fresh, fresh approach to that that same concept is a, is a good way to get them, just rile them up again a little bit. 
What really is, and we've learned a lot from Danielle Wallace. We've we've brought Danielle in numerous times, and I've got another event scheduled with her (coughs) where she does a section on marketing to women. And one of the things Danielle teaches is, as, as it relates to an automobile, the number one issue on a woman's mind is safety, protection of her children, safety for her, security. So, you know, that just began to resonate with us. Well, golly, why, why wouldn't we just focus on that? Because there's a lot of women, and, and frankly, men too, but, you know, they can't get real excited that their camshaft is covered for life, uh, that their lifters are not going to go tappity-tappity. That, that doesn't get in their heart and soul. But like I said, you you got my back if I've got a flat. A, a lady would say, I don't have to get out there. I, I wouldn't begin to know how to change a tire anyway. You know, many people would say, men and women, but I don't have to go outside. I just call and somebody's going to come do that for me. You got my attention. So that that is the basis on that is just a different spin on an old theme. Keep honestly keeping it fresh. I got to tell you one other thing, Casey. I was <laughs> yesterday, yesterday I did training. Uh, one of our top men does a phenomenal job of training. And this was a dealer group. Uh, in Oklahoma, and they were in for training, and somebody, I, I didn't even t- intend to teach on OTR, I was i was doing other things, and one of the ladies said, what is this OTR thing? She saw it on the menu. Well, I began to explain it. Now, I, I had four people from this dealership group that has been very, very well trained, and they looked at me, and they said, well, when did y'all come up with this? We've never heard of this. This is great. <laughs> Well, why hadn't we heard about this before? Well, I guess, it, well, surely you have heard about this before, but it just, it's just a, an underscores to me how often we have to keep preaching the message and reminding people. And so here is a very mature dealership, knows BG frontwards and backwards, doing well, uh, and yet they're hearing this for the first time, at least they think they are. So now that you've got this this different approach to like your Engines for Life program, now are you trying to go back after stores that you've talked to about it before and maybe just come at it from a different angle and, and try to land that business that, you know, maybe they weren't ready for it the last time you talked to them? Absolutely. And of course, you know as well as I do, Casey, because you and I spent a, a lot of years in the field as a salesman. And I live, you know, right now, over half my life is in the field, in shops, in dealerships with customers. And you know, psychologically, how it is when you've got your route card and you're going in a place, and let's just say they're not, they're not doing MOA engines for life. And, here, and here's what human nature thinks. Well, hey, I showed them that. I showed them engines for life. I asked them to do that, and they said no. So I checked the box. I did that. I've been. A, I was a good boy. I did it. Of course, the only thing was, I did that eight years ago. <laughs> you know right. what I'm talking about? <laughs> hey, I I showed them engines for life. Yeah, but it was a long, long, long time ago. So again, we're if if it, it's a it's a psychological battle I think inside a guy's own head to say just because you showed it to him six months ago show it to him again because the barometric pressure may be different and they might say yes you know what I'm talking about oh yeah absolutely and I I think that that goes for a lot of different things you know it's it's tough as a salesman especially when you work almost exclusively on your own 
it's hard to look at accounts that you've been dealing with for years with a, a fresh objective set of eyes, you know, and that goes for a lot of different programs. Hey, you know, why don't we sell transmission services at this Honda dealership? Well, you know, they, we went down that road a few years ago and they had a problem and they said they'd never do it again. It's, you know, and it's, it's been six, eight years since we've talked to them about that service. Yeah. And psychologically that makes an imprint on us and, Sometimes, and maybe a guy got angry at us over something. You think, my goodness, I'm never doing that again. Uh, the only thing was that that guy died five years ago. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the entire staff has been tilled over like six times since that yeah, happened. Exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, how do you, I mean, what's, if I'm the average salesman, you know, that's been in my territory for, three, four, five years, you know, there, I, undoubtedly I have some things like that floating in my territory. Like what's, what's your advice to that particular person? You know, is, is there techniques that you use to, uh, to continually reevaluate those opportunities? Yes. Uh, several things. One is, you know, we love the route, the route card. Now, if, if you're doing an electronic route card, it's the same thing. You know, my staff uh, kind of goes down one of three roads. Some of them are using a, uh, you know, a card stock, hard copy route card, uh, you know, that I used 38 years ago. And that's just fine. Mm -hmm. Others are using an Excel spreadsheet, you know, just have it electronically. Uh, not real fancy, but just an electronic route card. And then others are doing more of the fancy Solentris uh, type programs. But I think one of the keys that you can do, regardless of how you keep your route card up to speed, one of the things Mr. Bash taught me almost 40 years ago was if that, if that route card, if you look down that route card over the last six months and it's the same old, same old, that's a problem because we ought to be ever expanding the line. So I think one way we can look at it, uh, for example, if they have 12 products on the shelf, you know, MOA, uh, a MEPS kit, uh, transmission, et cetera, if they have 12, 12 products, 12 items in the line, and it's been that way for six, eight, 12 months, that's a problem. Because why aren't we doing climate control? And why aren't we doing diesel? And why aren't we uh, uh, doing ACE? Uh, why aren't we doing platinum? And so we need to, I think one way we can do that is look at that route card and see that there is a gradual progress of expanding the line. Secondly, if what, what we did is we created a one-page document. It's real simple. At the top of the document, this, this thing has got about 40 line items on it. But at the top of the document are the mainline programs, uh, you know, uh, transmission, cooling system, platinum, uh, driveline, et cetera, the, the main services. Below that, then it has programs, uh, service menu, smart VMA, true video, uh, uh, multi-point inspection uh, process, uh, on the road, uh, lifetime protection plan, uh, uh, dynamic uh, service so that you're looking at about 40 things on their services and programs. And then the, the third category would be training services, programs and training. And then the, the columns across the top, the, the columns across the top 
would give the status. You know, maybe you'd rate it on a scale of one to ten. Uh, so with with transmission service, uh, I'm at a three, which means I'm doing really lousy with that. And then next to that is a column. This is what's my action point. I got to train them how to sell tranny services. Smart VMA, it's zero. Never showed it to them. Okay, then that be so. I'm looking at again services, programs, and training, and using that as a one-page guide to keep me on track. And then, Casey, the third thing I would tell you is this, this is pretty simple, but you just get one of your BG buddies to hop in the truck with you and spend the day. And he and, and here's what's going to happen. If I'm in the truck with you, Casey, and, and you're up in uh, El Dorado, when you and I are driving down the road, I'm going to see Jim's tire and I go, Casey, are you in there? Uh, how about how about Fred's fast loop? Are you in there? How come we're not in that Ford store, Trace uh, Casey? You, you see what I'm saying? That other guy, he's seeing stuff you don't see. Oh, absolutely, and I think there's a ton of value to having so to to working together with some of the people in your area, and just ex- for this exact reason, get a fresh set of eyes on it. I also think that there's there's value in doing some of your cold calling and stuff like that in pairs. Uh, it's been my experience that sometimes there's something about walking in there, two guys who, you know, are obviously friends and are having a good time, you know, that, that changes the, the, the way in which that potential customer receives you, you know, there's, I, I don't know. That's been my experience at least is sometimes, you know, especially when you're cold calling a tough account, like having somebody go with you so that you guys can, can tag team it and work off of each other can uh, can be a, a good way to just sort of break through the wall a little bit. I think that's a great idea. I really do. So you mentioned uh, you mentioned Ace, which is a new product that aerosol carbon eliminator, I think, is what it's called. Um, where do you see that fitting in? What do you have plans for that product as of now? Well, uh, let me just say we have not yet put a major emphasis on it, but here's where I see it fitting in. It's a it's a poor man's air and fuel induction service. It is it's a quick way. You know, we we all get the fact that that's not going to clean intake valves on GDI engines. We understand that, and we understand that it is what it is. But historically, Casey, uh, uh, in the past and the present, there is a lot of value in cleaning the throttle plate and the air intake, which my understanding is that's about all you're going to get with ACE. Is, is that your understanding that good, good cleaning on the air intake, good cleaning on the air plenum and the back of the throttle plate? Is that your understanding? Right. Kind of an improved uh, version of 406. Exactly. So... You know as well as I do, that is going to give you a phenomenal kick in the seat in terms of uh, performance. You're going to feel that. That's going to smooth out rough idle. That's going to do a lot of good stuff that the customer can feel. Then the new Platinum 44K really, in my opinion, has replaced the need for on-the-rail injector cleaning. You know, there there are specific instances where on-the-rail cleaning is called for, but the results I've seen from BG show that Platinum 44K is just as good, even as a 201, 
you know, it's not immediate, but in a tank of fuel, it will. So, so I've got platinum 44K. That's going to clean my injectors and my combustion chambers. If it is a non-GDI engine, it's going to do a pretty good job on my intake valves as well. Well, that, that takes care of the what I would call the fuel side of the equation. ACE is going to do a good job on the air intake side of the equation. That's not a bad service. You know, it it's probably going to price out possibly under $100, uh, certainly under $150. But you think about how many fast lubes and tire stores that don't have high-end techs. It, they sure don't have an A or B tech, and they may not even have a C or D tech. Anybody, right. Yeah, anybody can do that service, make a huge difference and great profitability. Right. So potentially situations where, you know, you have less than adept techs that are doing the service um, and maybe where time's a concern, you know, a, a quick, quick loop setting like you mentioned. I mean, you know, they it's hard to get those guys to hook up a tool and to take the time to run the vehicle for 20 or 25 minutes. You know, maybe that that ACE would be a good fit for those situations, you know, a 10 to 15 minute service. Well, it would. And you take even a, a professional Toyota dealership, you know, Toyota with TXM and their quick lanes, you know, they're getting people in and out very, very fast. And so that would be, and, and time is just critically important to some of my Toyota stores. Uh, I'd go as far to say time is more important to some of those stores than than profit is, uh, and uh, which to me is crazy, but nonetheless, that's I, I heard that just the other day from one of my Toyota stores. Well, Ace can let them get in and get out and get that thing done fast. So I think there's a place for it, even in professional, you know, dealerships. Understanding it, it, it as long as it's uh, understood what it is and what it's not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago uh, the multi-point inspection process. Now, at BG, there's a lot of emphasis on advisor training, you know, which there are front line of defense for sure. But uh, I think the multi-point is something that we're just starting to really look at after years of sort of neglecting it. Um, I know that you do a lot of multi-point training. Uh, what, what's your take on the, on the role of the multi-point in selling BG? Well, I'd say it's, and, and, and I'm not overstating this, Casey, I'm not embellishing this. The multi-point inspection is the centerpiece of selling BG. Uh, if they will implement, not, not, I mean, everybody has a multi-point inspection sheet. Everybody's got it. Uh, most are using it incorrectly. Most technicians are pencil whipping it. And Many multi-point inspections, while they may be filled out, they're a joke. So what we do is we created our own multi-point inspection sheet. I've, I've shown that in many webinars and BGUs that I have taught, but it's it's real simple. It is a paper copy. It's a, a three-page document. It can also be made electronically. Um, you know, you, uh, a lot of people use an X-time uh, multi-point inspection sheet. And that can be modified uh, the way we want it to be where they check fluids as part of that X-Time sheet. And we've done that on several of them where X-Time has changed it. But anyway, without getting too far off in the, in the weeds here, 
That multi-point inspection is the centerpiece of the way the technician communicates with the service advisor and the service advisor communicates with the customer. And, and I'll tell you this, if they'll do the multi-point inspection right and present it right every car, every time, it is absolutely a game changer on the number of BG maintenance services sold. It is, it's an excellent communicator. So obviously there's a lot of shops that are pencil whipping the, the multi-points, you know, so let's take, take that out of the equation. Where do you see, what's, what's the breakdown in, in the multi-point process? What keeps it from being an effective tool, assuming that everyone there wants it to be an effective tool? Okay, well, I think that's a big assumption. <laughs> and that may be the, the biggest breakdown right there <laughs> is that, that we assume everybody wants it to, to work. I think here's here's the breakdown. Uh, here's what's wrong. Here's why it falls apart. A technician, and, and I do this in an open meeting. What we have, we call it a family meeting. Casey, we bring all the techs together, all the advisors together. I just did this at a, at a Ford store. Uh <clears throat> last month. We bring everybody together. We call it a family meeting. We talk about the multi-point inspection and we say, Here, here's the problem, gentlemen. You're a technician. And I look at the text and I say, you fill out the multi-point inspection absolutely perfectly. And then the advisor doesn't even present it to the customer. And you do it again and he doesn't fill out. So all day you fill it out absolutely perfect. And that guy didn't even sell you one-tenth. I said, then, then you're going to take that multi-point inspection and you're going to go into the service manager's office and you go, hey, I, I'm done. Those guys couldn't sell their way out of a paper bag. So you get frustrated with the advisors because they're not selling service. Okay, does that happen, Casey? Yeah, absolutely. You bet. Then the advisors say, whoa, 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 whoa. Look, look at this one. It, every time I give one to Jim... It's got 150,000 miles on it. Every box is green. Boss, Mr. Service Manager, I don't believe this. I don't believe this is true. But every time I give one to Freddie over here, the other day we had a car with 1,200 miles on it, and Freddie found $1,500 worth of maintenance it needed on a car with 1,200 miles on it. I don't believe that. So what the technicians are giving me, I don't believe I can't sell off this. So therefore, the advisors shut down. So the technicians shut down because the advisors won't sell. The advisors shut down because the technicians won't fill out the report right. And what's the net result? This particular shop I was in, you're not going to believe this. This is a professional Ford dealership, 75% shop efficiency. So if they had 1,000 clock hours in a month, they were flagging 750. You think that's broken? Oof, yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's one reason why. So that's where I think the breakdown is. Uh, technicians not doing it right because they're frustrated with the techs. I'm sorry, techs frustrated with the advisors, advisors frustrated with the techs. That's kind of a circular it is. Uh, pattern of distrust. What, now, how do you, I mean, other than calling attention to it, like what's, what's your role in addressing that problem? So you've heard me say many times, there's only two things in life, knowing and doing. So in this particular case, I had the dealer in the room with us, the general manager, I should say, in, in the room who's running the place. And so 
I had met with the service manager and the general manager together, and I told them, I said, look, I will absolutely make sure that your technicians and advisors know what to do. I said, what you must do is you must make sure they do it, and you must make it a condition of employment. Then that way, if I'm, if I'm making sure they know, and you're making sure they do, I said, then, then the net result of that is going to be, we're going to see this shop efficiency go up, and they agreed to it. So sometimes I think, Casey, what this is, is helping management at the dealership find their spine uh, to, to man up and hold people accountable. So I think that's one way to do it, uh, is make sure you got management with you. Then the other way to do it, you know, there's two two ways to motivate men, or two ways to get men to do something. One, one way to do it is, cause I, hey, because I said so. You're going to do it because I said so. I think it's a lousy way to motivate people. I think the best way to motivate people is say, look, look, let's just talk. Let me show you what's in it for you. And so what I do with the technicians is I say, guys, here's what I'm asking you to do. For two weeks, I want you to fill out this multi-point inspection like your life depended on it. Do it 100% right 100% of the time. Advisors, for two weeks, I'm asking you to present 100% of the technician recommendations to 100% of the customer 100% of the time. <clears throat> I'll come back in two weeks. <clears throat> we'll, we'll evaluate it, and we'll celebrate our successes. So that's another way to do it. <clears throat> One last thing uh, that we do is uh, what I call a multi-point inspection audit. And... Uh, you only need to get 50 multi. I, I go into the service manager prior to the meeting and I say, give me 50, give me the last 50 multi-point inspections. He goes, well, some of those are oil changes. I said, that's okay. He says, some, some, some of them are warranty. That's okay. I want, I said, don't edit it. Don't, I just, you just give me the last 50 in my hand and I go through them. Now picture this, Tracy, uh, Casey, I, I'm standing in front of I'm standing in front of a group of technicians and advisors at a Ford dealership. They got a, a, a Chick-fil-A sandwich stuffed in their mouth munching. And I said, now, I'm going to go through your last 50 multi-point inspections. And so I just start. Here's an F-150 with 150,000 miles on it, needs no service. Here is a Focus with 110,000 miles on it. Every box is green. Here's a whatever with a 250,000 miles on it. Needs nothing. Here's one. And I just keep dropping these on the table and going through them. And then, and then after about 20 of them, I say, now y'all stop me when you've had enough. And I said, you see a pattern? And I said, I want to ask all of you a question. I want you to be honest. I said, I've just thrown 20 of these on the table. I said, I, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe this is true? And what do you think they said? No, we don't believe that was true. I said, how would you like to be this guy with 250,000 miles on his F-350 whose brakes are down to one uh, millimeter and you didn't tell him? I said, how would you like to be that guy? The room got real quiet. <laughs> right. Sure. And I think sometimes... They're so caught up in their day-to-day -day grind and, and the, the drama between the techs and the advisors and stuff like that. They don't think about the real-world ramifications 
of not doing a good multi-point inspection and the kind of trouble that can put somebody in. Yeah, they, that's correct. And the way Robert Atwood at NADA puts it, we, we brought Robert in to teach some of our folks. He looks at the technician. He goes, gentlemen, he said, if, if this, if you fill this out, he said, let me tell you the next words you might hear. Would the defendant please rise? <laughs> and the room got really quiet. He said, because there is criminal liability because this is a safety issue. I mean, now I don't, I don't do that Casey, but Robert could pull that off. <laughs> now, is there, do you have a, uh, like, okay, we have the, the family meeting. All right. We've decided we're going to address this. Now, do you work hand in hand with the technicians with an, like, do you have a specific inspection process that you preach to technicians if, if they don't have a standardized one? We do. And frankly, in Charlie's perfect world, they would use our document even if they do have something. And that's actually what we did at this Ford store. They were using the, you know, Ford cars that calls theirs the report card. So they were using the Ford report card. And, uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but it's worthless. Uh, if you check every box red, you wouldn't sell $50 worth of service because there's, there's, there's nothing to sell if they got a problem. Now, if something is horribly broken, you might get, you might, you know, you might sell something. But anyway, what we did at this particular Ford store is I said, would you, would you put the, the uh, Ford report card aside and just use this. And they agreed to it. And I'm actually going back uh, next week, uh, you know, to do the follow-up. But yes, w we go through with them. How do you do a multi-point? And in case you're not going to believe this, this you're going to say, well, that's, that's way too simple. But I also tell them what does, everybody knows green means it's good, Right. Mm -hmm. what, what does yellow and red mean? Okay, so in many technicians' mind, if you check yellow, that means the car needs maintenance. And if you check red, that, mean the, that means the car has had catastrophic failure. And I told him, I said, guys, that's wrong. I said, do it this way. Green means it's good and nothing is going to be sold today. Yellow means... In the future, you need to have this done, which means anything that you check yellow, nothing is going to be sold today or offered to the customer. It might be pointed out, but a sale is not going to be made. Red means we need to do maintenance on this component to avoid catastrophic failure in the future. So if a transmission has 60,000 miles on it, and it's never had a BG transmission fluid exchange done, we check the box red. That doesn't mean we've had transmission failure. That means we need to sell a transmission fluid service. Because I said, I'm an advisor now. I'm going to look at one thing. How many boxes are checked red? And every time I see a red box checked, I go, ka-ching, because there's my sale right there. And that's all I'm going to look at. So what... Sometimes that, that we're losing because of default, because there's miscommunication and what the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Right. Making sure everybody's speaking the same language. That's a, that's a good point that I don't think I've ever really thought about before, but I guarantee you that's happening in most shops. You know, 
most advisors are glazing right past red and yellow or green and yellow and maybe addressing the reds you know if depending on how they feel depending on how the customer looks and what they think they're willing to buy right and then related to this analysis real quick uh sometimes their dms system will do this for you depending on on what dms system it is but they're uh X time, for example, will do a report that shows, okay, total ROs, total number of inspections, and then um, I believe it's called a ASR is additional service request, ASR, and then closing ratio or, or sales. So let's just do it this way at, the, at, this, at this store, a thousand customer pay ROs. 325 inspections. Okay, time out. So 675 of them didn't get inspected. Okay, 325 inspections. It was like 45 ASRs. So on 350 cars inspected, they only found 45 different things that needed to be done on 350 cars. Are you ready for this? Two services were sold. So, so let me put this in perspective. A thousand cars came on the drive. Two services were sold. Oh, and, that's abysmal. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not making this up. This was actually what happened. I reported this to them and, and wrote it down, you know, on a, on a uh, flip chart. And they got mad. They weren't mad at me, thank goodness. But they got mad. <laughs> Jeez. So a lot of this is just basically uh, uh, pulling the pulling the wool out of their eyes and showing them what they're actually doing as opposed to what they think they're doing. Yeah. In fact, that's well said because somebody's been pulling the wool over their eyes. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so we got to pull it out. <laughs> now, I know there, there's always some debate back and forth on on. Uh, should technicians be paid for the multi-point inspection? Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I do have thoughts. Uh, I, I think that they shouldn't. Listen, if a shop is paying their techs for a multi-point inspection, I'm sure not going to tell them to stop paying them. But my experience is, I'm going to say 95%. I mean, it's an overwhelming amount of shops I go into that do not pay for the multi-point. And I don't think they should. Because a smart tech, uh, what he's doing, uh, the multi-point is feathering his own nest. Uh, so I personally, if, if they ask my opinion, I say you don't pay the techs, but you require that it to be done every time. And a smart technician wouldn't even ask for you to pay him. Uh, because, now I tell you, Casey, here's why a tech wants to be paid. I, here's why I think a tech wants to be paid. Because he thinks, that, I'm going back to something I said earlier. Look, I'm wasting my time doing this. Those worthless guys out front can't sell nothing, he says. So I, I'm filling this out and nothing is going to happen. So I'm not going to do it unless you pay me. I, I could, I can see a guy making that argument, couldn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would, I would bet that's most of them that are advocating for that. Like, well, at least I get a tent if I'm going to waste, you know, however much time it takes to pencil with this form. Right. And I would tell you, it doesn't take much to make the technicians happy. If you sold one out of 10 things they recommended, 
I think they'd bring, if you're an advisor and you sold one out of 10, that'd be lousy. But I think the technician would bring you lunch. If, if you sold one hour out of every 10 he recommended, he'd be dancing in the streets. We, we ought to be able to get them where they could do a whole lot better than that. You know, I, I don't think 30% is outrageous. I don't think 50% oh, is outrageous. I mean, our, our upsell percentage off of multipoints should technically be higher than our upsell percentage off of, you know, menu sales. Right. I agree. You think, I mean, you, the, the, uh, the, the amount of, uh, you know, seriousness that a technician's recommendation brings to that, that particular recommendation is, I mean, it should only help our sales. I would agree. So, uh, Casey, let me let me back up a half step. We've talked about an awful lot of stuff, and I'm thinking about the guys listening. L let me say this to you guys who are listening. Uh, really, if I could summarize the last 30 minutes, I would tell you this. You analyze what's going wrong with the multi-point inspection. So step one is you analyze what's going wrong, bring that to their attention, and then step two is you put in a process to fix it. So that's what we're talking about here. Uh, see, what I want are the, are the, I want the numbers, I want the facts, I, I want them to be exposed and buck naked so they can see exactly what the truth is. And then I'm going to give them the solution. And if they'll follow the solution, the numbers will change. I'm not there to practice on them. I'm not there to say, let's try this. I'm telling you, boys, if you do it, these will be the results. So again, I'm evaluating and then I'm giving the solution. Yeah, in evaluating and, um, and tailoring your approach to what's actually happening in that store, it lends a lot more credibility to you as a, as a consultant, you know, I mean, cause if you're just some yeah. guy off the street that sells cans that now wants to tell me what's wrong with my multi-point process, you know, there's a lot of managers that are probably going to go, yeah, okay. Um, we'll just, we'll, we'll just do without your help. Thank you. Right. <laughs> yeah. We'll do without your help and we'll pay a consultant $12,000 a week. And then we won't do what he says either. <laughs> That is so true. Yeah, but we'll feel better about it. <laughs> I had to laugh. Uh, earlier this year, I, I spoke to a, a group of independent shops, like a local um, chapter, you know? And so they've been hosting their meetings here at BG. Well, I went and sat in on one of their segments uh, about a month before I was supposed to speak. And they had this... Uh, this trainer from out of town, good guy, really nice guy, some good things to say, but they paid him to fly up here to sit with them for three hours and to go over very basic, very basic information and techniques for sales and things like that. I mean, there was, there was not a lot of really profound ideas in what he was talking about. Right. But you know, when it came time for me to put together my presentation, they nitpicked it and you know we don't want a big bg sales pitch okay we want to hear technical information <laughs> and that's it you know and they just dissected my my presentation for weeks before i was allowed to speak and i just thought you know i'm bringing these guys more value with the stuff that we teach on a regular basis than this guy that they're paying you know but it's about earning the right to have a say in their process you know by establishing credibility 
Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. How much did he charge him? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. I wasn't brave enough to ask. I should have, though. Well, whatever it was, I'll do it for half. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm local. You don't even have to buy a plane ticket. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so uh, so at, at this point, uh, you know, I'd shift gears a little bit here because we're kind of coming to the end of our time. Um, you've trained a lot of BG guys over the years. And I'm sure like you've seen a lot of them succeed and a lot of them that have gone on to do other things. You know, from your perspective, there's got to be common threads. We know there's common threads for the guys who succeed. You know, what are the common threads for people who don't, who eventually end up finding something else to do because BG is just not panning out for them? Well, simply put, if if an individual will do what they learn from you or me or Andy or any of the team at BG University, if they'll simply do it, they will succeed. Uh, that's the long and the short of it. There, there again, I come back to this basic principle of there's two things. There's knowing and doing. In BG University, at the proving ground, in the demo lab, um, in the classroom, in the video series, uh, in BG certified, any BG man who says, I don't know what to do, that guy is brain dead because there is so much good information and videos and, and YouTube and everything out there from BG to show a man what to do. That if he says, I don't know what to do, he is just not paying attention. Then what is the key? Do it. That's the key. Just simply do it. Don't overthink it. Don't reinvent the wheel. That doesn't mean don't use your own creativity. That doesn't mean don't put it in your own words. That doesn't mean don't come up with, you know, some new things from time to time. But if you'll just simply get put your head down, put your shoulder to the wheel and do it, you will succeed and you will make more money than you've ever made in your life. You'll have more time with your family. Uh, it is just win, win, win. Do exactly what you've been taught. Don't deviate to the left or right. Do it, and you will not fail. Absolutely. And, you know, looking back over over your career, I mean, you've, have, you've had a lot of wins over the years. You know, just kind of off the top of your head, you know, what are some of the – what are some of the moments that you remember – as, as being like some of your, your most exciting victories, you know, whether it was a dealer group that, that came on board or, you know, a sales guy who went on to do great things. Like what are, what are some of the things that you remember as being like, man, that's a highlight in my career. One of the highlights of my career was when we, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> One of the highlights of my career is when we won the statewide contract for the first time uh, for the gasoline and diesel additive program. Uh, we have also been awarded that contract uh, multiple times since and literally over the last 20 years. But that uh, that statewide contract has resulted in, in not not just uh millions of dollars of sales, but over $10 million of sales. And it's been good for our state also. 
uh, because their cost, their their fuel costs have gone down. Uh, they don't have gelling issues. The injector issues are minimalized. But one of the sweetest victories I, I ever had was that statewide contract and uh, and and winning it. You know, subsequent years that was a big win. Uh, <clears throat> another big win for us would be the conquesting of fuel wholesalers. Um, fuel wholesalers, you know, we we found that uh, fuel wholesalers don't buy 11 ounce cans. Uh, they they buy 30, 330 gallon cans uh, of product. <laughs> By the way, you ought to, it's really hard to get a chip out of the totes. Uh, <laughs> those 330 gallon totes, you ought to see the chip. Uh, but that has been a sweet victory. Uh, we had a fuel wholesaler uh, that one of my guys and I have been weak. We cold called it together, just like you said. We went in there together. We cold called it. It took uh, almost 20 months uh, of cold calling and conquesting and testing and everything. But when they started purchasing, which was uh, last spring, they started purchasing. Last year, they bought a hundred and last year in, in 2019, they bought $140,000 worth of diesel fuel conditioner uh, from us. And they're treating wow. all of their locations. I'm, I'm telling you, that'll, that'll cause your head to get so big, you can't get out the door. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's just a, a sweet victory, uh, hard fought, answer to prayer, saw God soften the man's heart. And since we have gotten them, since we've landed the account, the guy just continues to be so pleased with what we're doing. If he has a fuel issue or a customer complaint, we go out there quickly, bottom sample the tanks, get to the bottom of it. So that, that's another sweet victory of a large sale. And, and then several minor victories, which are really not minor at all. Uh, but for example, we have a dealer group. Uh, of six dealers. Uh, they've just acquired their sixth dealer. They'll be closing on that uh, next week. Uh, they put PVP in all of their used cars uh, and they put 6554 in all of their new cars. Uh, and they are, they are fully um, uh, integrated in all of the BG uh, programs and all the BG services. And uh, Last year, their revenue, now these are rural dealerships, five rural dealerships. Last year, their revenue was $1.5 million. So, wow. obviously, we're pleased with them, and I will tell you they're pleased with us. So, and that's been factories that are win-win. But that's, that's three right there. <laughs> I'm, glad, you I'm really... glad you didn't ask me about my epic fails. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever thought about writing a book at some point? <laughs> yes, yes, I, I, I've had several people ask me to. <laughs> you really should, man. That would be great. Well, Charlie, I, I really appreciate you sparing some time for me today. Um, and again, thanks so much for all you've done for for BG as a whole, and just just for you know guys like me individually over the years. You know, we appreciate. You know, all the, the the ideas you've brought to the table, the time you've spent with us, the resources that you've put together. Man, you've been a, a, a huge help to a, a lot of us and really appreciate you. Well, my pleasure. It's been a great ride and I believe the best is yet to come. So thanks a lot, Casey. Appreciate the time. All right. Have a good one, Charlie. Okay. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.